Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And today, my guest is Derek Amsley, founder of Tentree. At 16, Derek and his brother founded a tree planting company that was meant to capitalize on the future of sustainability, carbon offsetting credits. They planted over 150,000 trees while selling carbon offset contracts that totaled over $1 million. While carbon offsetting ended up not being the future, this experience was just the beginning of his tree planting journey. During college, Derek worked with his fellow co-founders to start Tentree, an apparel company that plants 10 trees for every piece of clothing sold. And so far, the company has planted right around 50 million trees, providing local jobs, food security, environmental benefits. And so that sets us up, sets us up for a great conversation with these words. Welcome, Derek. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. I've been watching Tentree for, for quite a while. I definitely own a few pieces myself, planted a few trees with you. Um, <laughs> Let's start right at the beginning there. I think it's, it's, it's such a beautiful, genius and simple way to connect, consume with creating an impact kind of in a full circle. And um, maybe you want to share a bit about those early days when you realize planting trees is really what got you into fashion. Yeah, I mean, it, the, you, you talked about it a little with the company that we started in high school, where we planted trees and kind of sold carbon offsets. And, you know, the idea with that was, how do we like using tree planting as this really tangible, meaningful way to create a solution to the carbon offsetting issue that companies might face? I think what we realized when the when the cap and trade and different carbon protocols didn't really roll out was that we didn't we knew tree planting had an incredible impact, but we didn't want to set anything up that was based on a government program or handouts. We also got connected to people all across the globe that were using tree planting to provide incredible benefits like jobs, food security, things that you talked about at the beginning, but we saw that they couldn't scale. They couldn't grow that impact. And it led us to years later thinking, well, we know the impact tree planting has. We want to, we want to amplify that, but we want to create something that can, that can be sustainable in its own right, grow and scale. And so it led us to this idea of creating a brand and of using the brand to facilitate the tree plant. And admittedly, when we started, we were, we were product agnostic. It, it could have been bed sheets, but for us, it was all about planting trees. And, and we've tried to carry that through to today, where we, we always say that we're a tree planting company that sells apparel, not an apparel company that plants trees. That's awesome. That's, that's really great that the passion for that progressive environmental impact actually shapes the way you look at the apparel company. Um, and I'm glad you're not doing bed sheets, but there's actually something much more fun that's come out of it. So, you know, what's the journey been so far? I guess 50 million trees sounds like a, a massive success as far as like what one tree planting company slash like a, an apparel company can actually, can actually move. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe from your perspective, you know, as the CEO and co-founder, like what, what's, what's been some of the adverse stories where you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad we made it over that hump. You know, you, what you said there though about apparel and not being bed sheets, because we joke about that, but 
I think the, the fact that we chose apparel uh, is, is unique. It's a it's powerful vehicle to create an impact-based initiative. And, and the idea was sort of if you can create a, an idea or a product that somebody's prepared to wear on their chest and say, this, is, this reflects my values, then it's got staying power. And, and I mean, I've met so many people that have worn our product and, and I'll say, oh, you know, I like that shirt. And they stopped me to tell me about the trees that were planted. And I think that that's what's been so powerful about this for us is that it really has created this incredible movement. Um, for us though, when it comes to the, the challenges that we faced along the journey, it's been, God, I mean, if, if all we wanted to do was plant trees, in hindsight, there are easier businesses to get into than the apparel business. Um, we've been fortunate to put really good people around us that have helped us on that journey. But I mean, I look back and when we, when we were a few years in, somebody challenged us and they said, why aren't you making your product sustainable? And, you know, we were two years into, in, you know, just a year out of probably putting screens on American apparel t-shirts. And we sort of said, well, what does that mean? Like, what does it even mean to make our product sustainable? We had to go through a, an entire process of totally revisiting our entire supply chain. Uh, the challenges like that have been unique. I mean, growing outside of Canada into the United States, into Europe, every one of these markets brings with, with it unique challenges around how we communicate our impact, what people care about, all these different things. It's it's been a roller coaster to say the least. Um, but you know, it's it's what keeps us coming back is knowing that every single day we're making a bigger impact. Yeah, beautiful. I, I want to I just put like a mental pin there in what you said, and I want to come back to it. So, you know, a lot of people when when they approach me, actually, there's like, oh, so you're on this environmental podcast. Um, I'm sure you have like zero gar, like zero waste and like you're not making any footprint. And like, I want to, um, you know, share that my personal point of view on that is actually this is one of the problems of how this whole industry and the sustainability and progressive uh, industry is being perceived. So not that we can consistently upgrade the way we're doing business as well. But in the, in the first place, the other extreme, right, is rarely actually where we want to end up, but much rather the pathway in the middle where we're creating, um, yeah, like a, a full spectrum kind of circle that allows us to reach consumers where they're at, which is so beautiful about what you guys have chosen with apparel, but at the same time, close that environmental impact and loop into a, um, well, for the sake of no better words, uh, like a net positive impact. And, and so bringing it back to you, Derek, I feel like that's unique about apparel because you're actually not just planting trees, you're also educating consumers that at the very minimum, you can demand from a company you buy from that they're, they're offsetting and they're actually full cycle integrating what, what you're buying. Yeah, you know, you, you said a couple things there. Um, one is, you know, this idea of for us, we when we looked hard at how we were doing our business, we said we, we started to understand these that the apparel industry was also an opportunity for us to to have a meaningful impact on the planet. Tree planting is just one side of our impact. Today, we make virtually every single product we make is as sustainable as it can possibly be. I would argue that the product we make is some of the most sustainable apparel out there on the market today, and we're incredibly proud of that. Um, and that just relates back to your values as an organization. And if it's not true, if you're not true to your values, if it's not holistic, and we're just planting trees, but we're selling a product that's 
destructive to the to the planet, then you know it, it, the the one doesn't outweigh the other. I think is and, and consumers are smart and and they want companies that share their values. The other thing that I think you you alluded to is this idea of progress versus perfection. And I think when we started the business, yeah. it was you looked at all the environmental narratives that were out there and it was either one super disempowering because it's the world is ending and you know there's we're just here for the ride or two it was kind of finger pointing and it was saying you're not doing enough or and and it it just felt like well why would i even take my first step if i know it's still not going to be good enough and so for us our belief was in not just creating sustainable product not just planting trees but also creating this community of people that was sort of inclusive and welcoming. And the idea was that it, it, this sort of defining idea behind this community was the world doesn't get changed by a million perfect environmentalists. It gets changed by billions of imperfect ones. Exactly. I love that. That's a really great metaphor. And I think this is what we, we know we have to learn as people right now that no matter what we do, it won't be a perfect solution that fixes like a silver bullet, you know, like fixes every problem that we've already created. But the consistent progressive progress, I think, is really what we want to aim at. I have a question in that context for you, and that's about the big picture of trash, right? So I'm sure, you know, in the apparel industry, that's, that's one of the, the headaches that, um, that might have plagued you in the, the early days. Like, what's your view on trash in general and then the, the, the thoughts around it as a, a big picture problem on the planet? I mean, for us, you, know, you look at some of our products, some of our fabrics, we, we do upcycled, we do recycled, we do a uh, product that's made from scraps. We've done a lot of things around that because, I mean, the apparel industry is one of the most polluting and arguably destructive industries out there, whether it be from overconsumption, from, you know, what the numbers have been thrown around that 30% of apparel that gets made in a year gets not sold so it's either getting destroyed or it's getting sent somewhere to just basically be given away and, and it's a huge problem and i think when the way that we look at that is sort of in line with our journey as an apparel brand is that first we we focus on trees and that that was what we believe and we continue to focus on trees but the product didn't necessarily live up we believe to the standards that we were setting up so then we said okay every single piece uh, every single fabric, every single piece of the manufacturing process that we do needs to also reflect those values and be sustainable. So now when we think of how that sort of goes along with the, the question of trash and, and the apparel industry as a whole, I think of this conversation that's really taken off in the last couple of years, which is circularity. And to me, that's the next step of, of apparel sustainability. It's, it's how are you creating products uh, how are you thinking through the full life cycle of the product in that in that initial design and development stage? Because the other thing is that 80% of the sustainability of the product comes in that design phase, whether it be wastage of fabric, the types of fabrics and dyes used, everything like that. So it really comes down to circularity and how do you how do you ensure that you're not creating overconsumption with the brand to to sort of amplify the, the negative down the line? If there is going to be waste at the end of the day, how do you minimize that impact too? And that's really the circularity conversation. Yeah, I like the word you're using there, circularity. That's that's exactly what kind of you know inspired me to ask this question um, in the first place. And I've asked many people in my podcast this question because I feel this idea of trash is like just throw it away. 
is actually a complete like cul-de-sac. Like it's, it's, a, it's a dead end street, right? Because uh, there is no way on a planet that is actually circular in, in its, its, its nature. What are some of the very applicable, like pragmatic examples in, in your space and fashion, how you could see that change, um, you know, for an industry, like the upcycling process, or, you know, maybe people send, send back their, their, uh, their shirts at some point, or like, what are some of the pragmatic ways there? Yeah, I mean, we've been looking at a lot of those sort of take back type programs. Um, there, there's been work that's been done around that too, because originally a lot of brands were talking about the take back initiatives that they were doing, but they didn't actually have a end use for the product that they were taking back. It was, if anything, another reason for a customer to consume something new and it sort of perpetuated the cycle. So there's, there's sort of like an underlying negative to some of the take back programs that have been created. But for us, one is like we believe in take back and, and that's something that we're, we're sort of actively exploring how we can implement into our, into our ecosystem. The other big one comes into the types of fabrics that we use and the type of blends. And I think this is sort of one of the things that's really challenging in the apparel industry is that when we look at our fabrics, we say everything we do is the preferred fabric. If we're using polyester, it's going to be some sort of post-consumer recycled polyester, usually from water bottles. If it's, we don't use things like rayon, instead we use tencel, which just comes from sustainable eucalyptus processes. And, but what happens is, is that when you don't, when you, in, in the pursuit of creating products, sometimes you don't necessarily think about the blends and how those interact. And so if you're mixing synthetic with natural fabrics, oftentimes you, you lessen that circularity element. If you have all natural fabrics or all synthetic fabrics together, because they have different properties too, oftentimes you can accelerate or enhance that circularity. Now, there's also innovations that are coming down the pipeline though that do support circularity and, and sort of uh, with blended fabrics, but it's still a little bit of a ways out. That's exciting. I have a question there from the consumer perspective. Like, what would you? want consumers to know or understand about fashion that's not commonly commonly understood you know i think a, a big a big piece of the fashion world that that uh, doesn't really get talked about is is really just comes down to the fabrics that get used and um and, and sort of the greenwashing that's happening within it a lot of people are stepping into the sustainability narrative right now and everybody's talking about how their product is sustainable because it's organic or it's recycled or it's natural. But the reality is, is that when you actually look into the complexion of the fabrics that are being used, oftentimes they're, they're not quite as sustainable as people think. You know, I, I know H&M got it in some hot water years back because they said, look at our new organic collection. And it was, I think five or 10% of the fabric was organic. So, you know, it, it kind of comes down to what, are, are the brands using the sustainability narrative to just, you know, kind of get on the train of sustainability or is it actually interwoven into their values as an organization? Because if it's, if it's woven into the values, the entire approach to getting that product to the consumer is, is dramatically different. Yeah. And that's exactly why, you know, starting out as a tree planting company that then chooses to do fashion is a way other, you know, um, it's a, a different way around and into that topic. I think I just pulled it up here around two and a half thousand liters of water 
are used to make a single t-shirt in the like traditional way. Um, so there's lots to improve. There's lots to improve. Let me ask another question that's much more like outside of that box of fashion. Like if you, Derek, could single-handedly or with a team of experts change the way we, you know, drive the education system, the way we teach children, the way we teach in university, what would be some of the things that, um, that, are, that are alive in your mind about that? I think it goes back to what we said before, which is progress over perfection. I, I think there, if, if you can ingrain habits early on, then, then it's, it makes things easier. Right now, the challenges we're facing is that we're basically trying to wean ourselves off all these you know, approaches to living that have you know, proven to be unsustainable in the long run. But if you can, if you can ingrain some of these beneficial habits early on, you know, not using single-use plastics, you know, eating more plant-based, uh, you know, just all these different things that if you can ingrain them earlier on and you can educate them on the why and how this actually impacts the greater whole, I think that that would be one of the most powerful things we can do because, you know, ultimately we can have a huge impact through planting trees, but we're still just one, one company, one group trying to do our best. But if you can get an entire generation making, you know, 30, 40, 50% better choices for the planet, that impact is, is immeasurable. Yeah, that's powerful, man. I, I'm totally with you there. It's, it's the steady progression over perfection and also like understanding that, you know, failure, you know, the startup world and, and you know all about this, failing fast and cheap is so important because that's how you understand how to pivot to what actually works, right? And so waiting for perfection, I think, is um, it's one of the flaws of the human, the human mind, maybe. Well, the other thing is fallibility. And, and you know, as, as human beings, it, where the reason we strive for perfection in some regard is because we're worried about how we'll look if we're not. And I, I, we've always believed this as a company, but we embrace that fallibility. Like, you know, we're, ne we're not perfect and we're also not pointing fingers. We don't expect perfection and we hope that our, our customers don't expect it from us. But what we can commit to is doing our best to always progress. You know, do it better each day and ultimately 1% better each day is a hell of a lot better than nothing. Yeah, you're talking about something there, you know, the customer company relationship, which I think ultimately comes back also to trust and the way we communicate. And so uh, maybe I can ask you that first in a, on a more personal note, you know, so for you as a human being, um, what is required to trust and to, to give trust? Trust, it's, it's such an interesting thing, especially for us in this world of tree planting. Um, you know, we our, our belief in why tree planting was so so incredibly powerful is the tangibility. When you think of uh, the environmental missions that were around ten years ago, five years ago, oftentimes they were you know donating a percentage of this, or frankly, like a lot of words that we didn't really understand or we didn't actually know the impact. But the, this concept of planting a tree, and in our case, planting ten, it's tangible. And, but the other thing that it does is it puts us in a really, uh, what's the word, a, a really sort of insecure position in that we're not, we're not just saying we're, we're 
donating a percentage of X and fingers crossed that that work gets done effectively. We're actually committing to this idea of planting trees. And so, you know, for us, our belief has always been in creating incredible stories, connecting our customers in a more impactful and emotional way with that tangible impact, which is tree planting. Because our belief is that, you know, for, for them to trust us, for us to, to encourage that trust and maintain that trust, we need to take them along for the ride. We need to ensure that they understand where we stumble. They understand that we're doing everything we possibly can to make sure that the work that we've committed to is happening effectively. And, and in fact, like, I think as a business, we've gone far beyond that commitment in some regard. We're in the last number of years here, we created a on our, the world's first uh, on the ground verification platform for our global restoration project. And what it does is it actually is able to time date GPS stamp a lot of the planting that's happening globally. And it, it allows us to do survivability analysis. It allows us to actually digitize the trees as well to ensure that we're, we're doing the work that we say we're doing. So it's, um, it, it's been an interesting ride to create that trust, but I think for us, it really comes down to the end of it. Hmm. And the transparency and visibility of what you're doing, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I know trust is such a deep one. You know, everybody experiences it. It's slightly different and we all want trust. And then in the regenerative effort on the planet and that, you know, I truly believe we're in a decade where regeneration is going to become bigger and bigger as a buzzword and an understanding because that's what nature does. Uh, it regenerates. Right. Um, and so as we're aligning with the, you know, the biomimicry practices, we'll get there too. But, but basically what I've been seeing is we only are as good and as fast as the speed of trust. Because if we can't trust a company to actually do what they said, then we're back at square zero. It's, you're seeing it every day right now. I, I think in just the last six months, especially, you've seen how many high profile companies take some really dramatic steps back because mm. it's kind of come out that the values, because you also go, you have to go back to why this is happening. But a lot of the brands that are really in the sort of the sort of customer consumer vernacular right now, and really in the zeitgeist are these brands that are focused on connecting based on values first. And so it's, it's whether it's, you know, radical transparency, it's, uh, you know, connecting on different sustainability ideas, it's all these different things. And then the consumer then connects with the brand on those values, expects the brand to respect those values and uphold those values in everything they do. And so what's happened recently is that brands that haven't necessarily uh, lived up to the values that they set out or the values that they're talking about in all their marketing have really uh, faced a lot of public scrutiny. And it, it's a challenging spot to be in because again, you, you know, we, like I said before, with fallibility, we try to live in this world that, that we recognize we're not perfect. Um, but consumers expect a lot. And frankly, if we want them to trust us as a business, we've got to do our best to uphold that too. Mm. Yeah, beautifully put. It's so it's so insightful to hear your perspective on this. You know, having been in this business for a while, uh, Derek, I have I have a few rapid fire questions for you. Um, 
some of them might be self-explanatory because you're you're the CEO of Tentry. But let's let's see. Here we go. So just just yes or no or either or whatever you, whatever you see. Um, what do you prefer, ocean or lake water? I live on the ocean, but I come from the prairies now, so uh, I, I'm a lake water. Nice. Um, dance or meditation? Meditation. Meat or veggies? Veggies. Planting trees or flying to Mars? Planting trees. Planting trees on Mars? Yeah, I mean, why not both? Let, let's, let's make sure that we keep this planet uh, in good shape so that Mars is, is uh, not a requirement. Nice. I'm with you on that one. Coconut or kombucha? Uh, kombucha. If you want something done right, do it yourself or better as a team? Uh, better as a team. Cannabis or alcohol? Uh, cannabis. Jungle or desert? Uh, jungle. What is happiness to you, Derek? Happiness. Oh, <laughs> you end with a deep one. <laughs> that uh, you know, happiness to me is, um, you know, being creating something that you can be proud of, uh, and you know, make it and, and sharing that. Mm, wow, I love that. Shared happiness is, is real happiness for me too. For me too. It's anytime I achieve something, having it alone is kind of like flat, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and, and you know that that kind of comes back to us as this it is with Tentry. I mean, we we created it. We uh, you know, with my co-founders, and we brought together an incredible team that kind of holds us more accountable than we could have ever hoped for. But you know, at the end of the day, we we couldn't do any of this without our partners, whether it be globally with tree planting, whether it be internally here with our team, it's, uh, or, you know, our supporters as well, the people that are helping us plant those trees. So, uh, yeah, it's better to do it together. Absolutely. I want to dig a bit deeper into, you know, your personal values there, because I hear and feel so much optimism in the way you talk and obviously, uh, you know, the way you, you walk, you walk also with, with Tentry. And so, on a personal note, like what empowers and enables you to choose optimism every day in this world we live in? You know, I think it's a perspective shift. Um, for us, when you think of the tree planting side, it's all about growth. It's, you know, it's that growth mindset. And it's, it's how we try to, to, you know, push ourselves internally. It's how we try to think about what we're doing as a business and me personally too. I think you know, future focused and focused on having a positive impact in that, that progress. It, um, yeah, I think it allows you to sort of reset your perspective around what could have been better or what, uh, what isn't right today. Because if you're constantly working towards improvement and then what you know can have an in, a meaningful impact, it, um, it leads to just, I think, better, uh, better perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious there to, to hear more about your perspective. So one of the questions that I, you know, started the podcast out with um, is my, just my curiosity to what people, what people's deepest dream for our planet is. And so if, if you may hear with me, let's zoom out a little bit on the timeline, right? And let's go forward into the future, uh, taking into account seven generations after us, right? So 
uh, seven generations, that's roughly 200, 210 years in, in like the traditional way of counting lifetimes. Um, so, so taking seven generations into account, what's your earth vision or your dream for the planet and for our species that we're capable of, of doing in this generation? I mean, I, I think the first, it, it's about, you know, one dealing with a lot of the challenges that we're facing right now around climate change and around, you know, the, uh, the sort of immediate 10 year net, net zero type commitments uh, that, that we need to take on. But for me, I think it comes down to, if, you, if I take it from my perspective, which is ultimately climate focused, the people that will get most negatively impacted by climate change are the ones that are already disenfranchised, the people that are already in challenging positions. So I think for me, a lot of it comes down to how do we create a system that allows us to deal with the inequities that have been created um, and solve a lot of the climate issues and ensure that that solution helps solve the inequities that we've already created in the inequality. And so for me, I think it comes down to, you know, the planet is, is on the right track, both from an environmental standpoint, but also from a people standpoint, because it's the, if you, you can't have environmental justice without the social justice side. And so it's as, as, a, as a world, as a, as a people, uh, we've kind of lifted ourselves up through uh, supporting the planet. Yeah, that's very wise. I totally agree that the collective legacy is directly connected to also individual uh, journey to the individual transformation and to the personal transformation. Um, yeah, I have another one or two questions for you here. And so one of them, you know, as a, a leader in business and uh, for your team, I'm curious to know what kind of personal development experience or maybe even a certain program or it could be an anecdote something that happened to you in, in life that like created a you know a value or a lesson where you're like oh my god i'm glad i experienced this because it actually helped me be a better leader and like embody my values it's a it's an interesting one i think you know for me when when i when i think to back to the moment that really just hit home for me of what we were doing at Ten Tree around tree planting and uh, supporting communities and lifting people out of poverty and how to weave that into the values of everything we do internally. I mean, we we set out sales targets, we set out tree planting targets. Like these are we we weave tree planting into everything we do. But for me, the moment that that really hit home was on my trip to a planting project we were supporting in December. And I, we were, it, it's a program where it's based on a forest garden model. Uh, Senegal is one of the biggest exports to peanuts and it's an incredibly destructive crop. A lot of these individuals have been planting peanuts for 10, 20 years and they're barely making enough to feed their family. It's barely enough to, you know, put $250 away in a year. And so oftentimes these families are left in destitute poverty and they can't send kids to school, they can barely, there's no nutrition. And the idea of forest garden is to take that plot where you planted peanuts and plant trees and agroforestry. So to plant 
fruit trees like mango, papaya, guava, plant medicinal trees as a fence row around. And, and this was about three years into the project and I was sitting in one of the forest gardens with one of the, one of the farmers that we'd supported. And uh, we were, and his kids kind of came up to him and sat down with him and uh, he had three kids. There was a four-year-old, a three-year-old and, you know, a call two-year-old-ish. And uh, they both got, all three of them got up and they went and picked up some fruit that had fallen out of the tree nearby. Um, it was cut in juju tree. And uh, the, the two older children went and sat down beside the dad and started eating fruit. The youngest kid came around and started handing out fruit to everybody. And it was such a, and like at the moment, I don't think I recognized how powerful it was. But as I thought about it later, I recognized that the two children that went and sat down and started eating their fruit had grown up in a household where they didn't have enough food. They'd grown up every day and gone to bed hungry. This, the youngest child, this two-year-old that was trying to hand out the fruit, had grown up during this time where they, the forest garden had been thriving, had been yielding fruit. And he was the one that went around to share the food. And I think what, it was such a powerful moment for me that anchored our values as an organization, anchor my personal values, because I recognized then that it's not just about planting trees, it's about the whole cycle. And you've talked a lot about the circularity piece, but it really is, it's a poverty, in, poverty leads to more poverty. But these opportunities to lift individuals out of poverty, and in our case through tree planting, they're gonna have a greater impact than we, we have any ability to measure at this stage. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I love anecdotes like that, you know, where you, we can get what, what I call truth bumps, you know, like goosebumps of truth because it's just so visceral, right? It's just so, it's just so fucking real. Like the moment you, you pluck a fruit from a tree, you realize, oh, that's how simple it, it, it is actually. Not just it yeah. could be, but, but it really is. And, you know, on a closing note here, I think this is something that um, at least strikes me from the outside here, um, sometimes a, a little funny. When we hear people talk about planting trees, rarely do I see the picture transmit of the variety of trees, the herbs, fruit, edible gardens, edible landscapes, and the impact on people that kind of transmit with this picture. It's more this like more things to then farm trees but really the picture is is quite a different one and goes much more in hand in hand with your anecdote there it, it creates a living environment that um yeah it's the opposite of poverty it's like true abundance it's for us trees are aren't just an incredible tool to combat climate change to support communities they're they're also a, a symbol for for you know, lifting people out of poverty for our ability uh, as consumers, as individuals to have an incredible impact. And, and I think that's what has really made our mission, hopefully in many ways so powerful is we've really anchored it around a concept that, you know, you might be helping a family or a farmer in Senegal or uh, a, somebody reforesting a wildfire in California, but it brings it home, it makes it real. And our hope is that, that that drives one more decision around helping people around sustainability because you know it's it's the small acts and big change it, it starts small.
yeah thank you so much derek for for those insights for your answers um big big change does indeed come with one small step at a time and uh, is there anything else you'd love to share anything you'd love to point out at the end of our episode here no i uh i've really enjoyed this this has been great i think for us you know, we said at the beginning but we we kind of like to approach things a little differently we're a tree planting company that sells apparel uh, and uh, we're, our mission is to plant a billion trees by 2030. So got a, got a long ways to go. Yeah, and so it is. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, Julian. Thanks for listening, and here we are again. This is your host, Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships, and business. If you love Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I'm a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide, and want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work. That is as much as $500 for a three-month program. And this discount applies for all one-on-one coaching offers, as well as some select coaching groups that I host in person. If you're curious and interested, make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click Work with Julian. Let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs. I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify for aligned business, healthy relationships, and overall presence with life. I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one-on-one in small coaching groups online or in-person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well and on request I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more, how to support the show or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com mentorships and mention the end of episode discount and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now. It's 808. That's right. That's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website and 10% are yours. That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend. Mm -hmm.